Here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. This is getting good. I believe you, you crazy little tart. Toby Marshall versus Dino Brewster. That's a deep rivalry right there. Yeah. I hear you, honey. I hear you. To you out there. Dying across the country at killer speeds to prove something while you're tearing up the American asphalt. Born to run, baby. Born to run. Toby Marshall. Welcome to the Daily Home. Hey everybody, welcome back to Press X to Reload, where we pop it into high gear and drift down the video game to film highway to look at all the car wrecks and see if any of them have anything worth salvaging inside. I am Nick Moore, and with me oh are Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanas. Wayne? Good afternoon, evening, whatever, everyone. <laughs> and Mark? Howdy-do. And today my long-winded explanation is because of Need for Speed. The adaptation of the racing game starring Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. Basically street racing and cops and there's really not much else there. We'll get into it, but it's not exactly a complicated plot. Uh, as far as I know, Mark's the no. only one who had seen this beforehand and made it sound like it was going to be Assassin's Creed Part 2. Hey, coming back to this again, mm -hmm. how did it feel, Mark, watching this for the second time? Uh, it's better than I remember it being, if I'm being honest. But... Um We'll get into it, but it's basically Fast and Furious on like it's a diet Fast and Furious. That's what it is. So we'll we'll get into it. Fair enough. But it's better than I thought it was. Remember it being, I should say. Wayne, how about yourself? How did this movie come at you? Well, uh, let's be honest. Nobody should be buying a Need for Speed game because <laughs> they want to see the story. <laughs> and likewise, yeah. nobody should be watching this movie expecting a story. That being said, I was thoroughly entertained by this film. There was a couple issues law-wise <laughs> that <laughs> once, I, once I understood yeah. that that yeah. was the rules of the movie, I was game on. And um, I was thoroughly entertained by it. Same here. I really enjoyed this film. I've played a couple of Need for Speed games and... I mean, let's face it, the plot, as it were, to them, it's street racing just so that you have the excuse of on top of the racers coming at you, there's also police coming at you. That's really their big claim to fame in terms of the racing games, to my understanding, is just the fact that it's in an actual street instead of a closed circuit, and the cops are coming at you, so you have to dodge them as well. This movie put way more thought into the plot than any of the Need for Speed games that I've ever touched. And I can get the comparison <laughs> yeah. to Fast and the Furious... Because it's funny, when sure. I went to watch it, oh, yeah. Corinne had gone, oh, well, they're just ripping off Fast and the Furious. Like, well, they're adapting Need for Speed, and that's from, like, the mid-80s. I'm pretty sure you could play it on the Amiga. <laughs> so, if anything, I think Fast and the Furious yeah. just came around and did its films first, and that's what makes it, I guess, better. But from my understanding of the few Fast and the Furious films I've seen, because I'll admit I haven't watched all of them, 
they're racing films that are more about heists. This was legitimately just about racing. I kept expecting some kind of turn where he'd have to be smuggling coke or stealing something. And nope, it's just about racing. That was kind of refreshing. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. 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 I agree with the uh, the law statement. There are quite a few times. We'll get into it. Because like for me, 35 minutes in, I actually was like, wow. And again, this is why it threw me because 35 minutes in, I was like, wow, this plot is way more grounded than I remember it being. And then at that death, they just were like, oh, yeah, right. And they just went, they took a hard turn for me there. And then the rest of the plot is so ridiculous. And that's the part I remembered. I was like, oh, right. I kept having all these problems the first time I watched it with me. I'm like, wait a minute. You're an escaped convict and you're drawing as much attention as possible to yourself between you and your destination. That doesn't make any sense. It was all part of the plan. All part of the plan. So dumb. Just to get into the race. His plan. (laughs) We got to get into his plan because I got to say the MacGuffin that makes his plan work is actually what bothers me even more about the movie itself. (laughs) But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what I do love about it, the things I did enjoy about the, this was some of, not all of, some of the filming around the racing I thought okay. was fantastic. Every now yeah. and then they would cut to inside the vehicle, but they had like two or three different takes on that interpretation of like inside the vehicle. One was like this weird from the like passenger seat up of the people driving. And it looked like they're really driving because they are a white knuckling as they're driving. Yes. In, which I guess, which I guess was to get the idea that no, they're really doing the driving, but it, it kind of also broke some of the tension for me because I lost sight of then, where are you in relation to the race? Like they, they do like three quick cuts inside the car and I'm like, cool. Who's first, who's second, who's third? I don't know anymore. See, it's funny. That actually, once I realized what they're doing for it, because it was a neat technique. So you'd see your three racers, for example, like when you've got Aaron Paul and Dominic Cooper, the villain in this, and because I can't remember the actor for the other one, the little brother. Pete? Yes, Pete. When you've got them racing and they're all in three identical vehicles of just different color, it's like, okay, how am I going to be able to remember yeah. who's in each one? And every time they would cut between the three of them doing that kind of low shot pointing up, it would do it in the position of who is in first, second, third. It was actually showing you either who's in each starting point or it would be showing that car and then that person inside and then the next car and that person inside. And it helped me keep track of what was going on. It always seemed to... Mm-hmm try and give you some idea of where the placement was until I got used to, okay, well, this person's in the red car and this one's in the silver car. So I thought that was actually clever. And again, it, it helps you see that, oh yeah, the actors are totally doing this when we all know they're not. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> those are stunt yeah. drivers doing any of the really dangerous stuff. Yeah. And like, I'll, I'll pass off to the stunt drivers, honestly. Like I really do. <clears throat> if there's a movement to get stunt work into the Academy Awards, it needs to happen because like they do, they do some work in this. Like oh, they do. some of those crashes yeah. are not C- are not CG. Those are real cars they're flipping. It's impressive. Oh yeah. I read uh, behind the the scenes on this a little bit, and a lot of the race cars are shells. They've kind of emptied out as much of the inside of them mm-hmm. as they can because yeah. first off, money, and secondly, yeah. you don't need to see the inside anyway. But they mm-hmm. are legitimately doing the majority of that racing 
out there for real. Mm. And all of the aerial shots, apparently, all of the police helicopters that are chasing them throughout this film, all of the cameras mm. are on the police helicopters because those are real. And then in post, they remove the cameras. So all the aerial shots are from the police helicopters that are chasing them, which is kind of awesome. That's <laughs> a really clever yeah, way of getting actual. the filmmaking done. But for, for sure. anyone yeah. who hasn't seen it, very quick summary of the plot. Aaron Paul's character is apparently a really good racer who owns a shop repairing vehicles with his buddies. And Dominic Cooper, the villain, who's just basically a douche who owns a dealership and can drive kind of fast but has too much ego, offers him an opportunity to fix a vehicle for him and give him a cut of the profits. But after they do it, he challenges him to a race for all of the profits or none of it. And during the race, he kills Pete, his friend and Dominic Cooper's brother-in-law he would have been yeah Yeah, soon to be brother-in-law yeah yeah but weird flat out kills him during the race like hits him from behind going high speed knowing that it's going to flip his vehicle and it not only flips it bursts into flames like he hit the (laughs) i don't know the combustion setting on that vehicle like it just erupts so (laughs) he disappears and aaron cooper is sorry aaron paul is framed for it because he's the only one left there. He serves a couple of years in prison and now he's back out and wants to win the, what is it? The DeLorean. The DeLorean. Race. The Michael Keaton race. The DeLeon. Thank you. The Michael Keaton race. The DeLeon. Yeah. For millions of dollars worth of vehicle inventory. And it's the race to get there. <laughs> Because you don't even know where the race is going to take place. You have to get invited. So he's got to get invited, get there somewhere in America, and then win the race, of course, against Dominic Cooper. Because this is the most predictably melodramatic story I've seen all year. Absolutely. And I'm at the end of my year right now. I'm I'm talking about <laughs> this in late November and <laughs> so predictable for the plot oh, beats. Yeah. Every scene, every scene prior, we would predict exactly what was going to happen in the following scene and it's a bit of a weakness to it but i know pete's gonna die i know that when aaron paul is in the vehicle with the the british woman and he's managed to make it there for check-in and they're pulling away as soon as they did the shot in the car i'm like all right as soon as i go out in the street a truck's gonna hit him and flip the car parker's watching with me he looks at me like i'm psychic as they get struck (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. They're not exactly um, reinventing movie beats. No, right? like they're they're following a a tried and tested thing. But but yeah, it's, it's funny. Weird. The film feels like a greatest hits of racing films in general, and it's telling to me that yeah. at the very beginning, when Aaron Paul first shows up for this five thousand dollar race that's going to happen at the beginning of the film it starts at a drive-in and on the drive-in you can see steve mcqueen in bullet yeah one of the most famous racing like car racing and car chase films that exist in cinema great film as soon as i saw in there i was like okay so they clearly want to pay homage to that and that's fine but they also want to pay homage to every single racing film i think i've ever seen in terms of, okay, yeah. Pete dies and he only loses the race against Dominic Cooper because he turns around to see if he can somehow save his friend from a car that is so, so on fire. Or when Dominic Cooper flips <laughs> oh, at yeah. the end, he has to go back and save him because he's just not that kind of guy to let him burn. Even though he said earlier to him, I'm not going to come back for you. It's like, you totally will. Yeah, All of yeah. the plot beats, yeah. you know they're coming. But this is... An exceptional example of how to make you feel speed 
watching a film. The cinematography for mm-hmm. it, the sound especially. Yeah. Oh, the sound. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. Because I thought they made a really brilliant choice in some of the – in almost every race scene – they made this really brilliant choice. The score doesn't kick in until something's happening. Right. And you just feel and hear the tires mm-hmm. screeching, the gear shifting, the engines revving. And it's mo- like the majority of the races, it's just the sound of the car. It's the sound of the downshift. It's the sound of like a tire squeal, the, the engine revving. And then when something is about to happen, the theme kicks in. And it was like, okay. Uh, it, yeah. Again, it makes you really feel like you're in the car with them. It's really cool. For sure. And that moment they do it a couple of times throughout it but when he's going to take the initiative and try and pass someone or he's having one of his driver type moments the way that's mm. kind of slowly zooming in on him and you can hear just his breathing and his heartbeat and then you see it from his perspective and the camera does that long shot where the road starts stretching out and narrowing in front of him so that he's focusing mm-hmm. that's a really cool technique and they only use it a couple of times yeah. but you know he's going to yeah. do something pretty mm-hmm. cool once it happens I appreciated the little yeah. touches like that, right? Now, Wayne, you're a music yeah, guy. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. What did you feel overall about like the use of the music and the music that exists? What were your thoughts on it? Mm-hmm. It was fine. I don't think it stood out too much to me, but uh, I think the sound was was far more exemplary than than the actual soundtrack to the to the film. Again, it was the sound that drew you into this. Oh, 100 percent. The screeching, yeah. The, the gear shifting, everything was was really a lot of attention. Paid to that, you know. Actually, I'm curious. We should have kept track of how many, how many of these movies they actually play their game in the movie. <laughs> that <laughs> is they were true. Playing Need for Speed, and there's yeah. a couple other movies we've seen where at least maybe they're not playing it, but it, the the game exists within the world, right? So you've got. We should have kept yeah, track of that. Yeah. Double Dragon <laughs> had a Double Dragon arcade machine in the background. Raul Julia yeah. used a Street yeah. Fighter a street arcade fighter. machine to try yeah. and blow up Jean Claude. This one, you're right. When they're hanging out mm-hmm. inside his shop, you've got two of his Waiting buddies for the car. playing yeah. Need for Speed on. It looked like PlayStation Four. It's like cool yeah. PlayStation represent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a few of them where they play it. I don't remember anyone playing Dungeon Siege during Dungeon Siege, but you know, that's no. okay. It would have been hard to do until right. they until they get to the time traveling ones that I read about for later. I'm sure that would be difficult to do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's but it's funny how you mentioned that you, there's you felt a lot of different racing movies in this one. And I, I agree with that big time, whether it's when he was going from New York to LA, I had a, yeah. Yeah. I had that craving for like a cannonball run yeah. or a speed zone again, because if, yeah. well, that's what that was. It was a single vehicle version of, of cannonball going yeah. from New York to LA. And it was kind of cool when they introduced people yeah. chasing them as a, as a hit and stuff like that. Yeah. It, it made me want to go yeah. back and watch, want to watch those movies because I was like, Oh yeah, that, this reminds me of that. We need a new speed zone. We need a new cannonball run type of movie. I think it'd be great. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've always been a sucker for a few different types of films. I'm a sucker for a Western. I'm a sucker for a fighting tournament and I am a sucker for a good racing film. I don't even know all the yeah, stuff inside a car. They always have that scene in same. it and they had the same scene in this where they start popping open the engine mm-hmm. and rhyming off all of these different parts. The British woman does that to show that she knows her stuff and I'm going, yeah, it's an engine. <laughs> I just want you to go fast. You can name V8 and dual cam and racing heads and all this stuff. Whatever. I just want to go fast. Yeah. So one of the interesting things, like it's funny that you bring that up. Because one of the interesting things I kept thinking about this movie, especially the second time watching it was, again, I go back to that first 35 minutes. That first 35 minutes is clearly Dominic Cooper 
and Aaron Paul have some beef from their childhood because Dominic Cooper has gone on to be successful and left their small town and he's struggling in his garage and he helps him remake the classic Carol Shelby and Ford Mustang. Yes. Right. And it's beautiful. It can go so fast. And then, and they're setting up this tension. I'm like, okay. And they get to a point where they're like, what do you think you're a better driver than me? And I'm like, cool, this would be a good jumping off point for really the rest of the movie without having to kill Pete. It's true. And that's the one thing I thought was funny was that everything they did plot wise, minus the Pete dying thing works. You could entirely make like Wayne was saying, like that cannonball run work. Like, all right, you think you're a better driver for me? There's a race. It's called the De Leon. It goes from New York to California. Best man wins. And they could have just done the race. It would have worked. Everything would have worked. The girl, they bought the Shelby. So she could have still been in the car with him. Like everything works. But then they add this vengeance thing. And from that moment on, the character's judgment, he just starts doing things. I'm like, none of this makes any sense. And they almost have. All of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. There are two moments in this film that slow it down. And you guys have named both of them. The first one is killing Pete. You didn't need to do it. You just delayed the film by no. prost. You know, he goes to jail, whatever. Yeah. You want his vengeance story, you whatever. The murder two two years later. The second yeah. one is that you predicted the truck hits them coming out of the hospital. Now we have this whole hospital scene. Yeah, it's really you've done all this work. Now you're just delaying it longer to to get to this race. They must have had a yeah. budget to meet or something at a certain time. Because I'm telling you right now, the star of this show to me is the Shelby. Oh, and yeah. I was super disappointed oh. that the Shelby isn't I, in the race no. for the De Leon. That's the biggest disappointment in the been, whole film. <laughs> never been more mad at a movie. Because, A, I've, I've yeah. always loved Shelbys. I've always loved them. But, like, and that's a sick they, drive the hell out, they drive the hell out of that car. And it is so impressive in <laughs> yeah. every scene. Like, again, like, it is the star. Like, the again, that's why I talk about the stunt drivers. Like, the work they do in, in this movie is amazing. It that that car, I, there's nothing it does until it gets airlifted that I don't believe. Everything <laughs> yeah, it does, agree. I'm like. But yeah. by that point, I've already yeah. lost all rules. I've lost that yeah. <laughs> But all of that stuff is in service of the melodrama of it. The Shelby gets destroyed, and I'm thinking, okay, I figured that would be the one that gets used in the last race. But now he finds the hidden third car that Dominic Cooper used to kill Pete. He's got the evidence to prove that he killed him, and he drives that evidence in the last race. So he's risking that evidence to beat Dominic (laughs) Cooper. That, his British girlfriend now is in the hospital. There's so much melodrama. (laughs) But here's the thing. And again, when you talk about the characters doing stupid things, (laughs) it's evidence. And you are the guilty one. You went to... (laughs) You... (laughs) Or the one who did jail time for that crime. And you found the evidence that would at least exonerate you from being, you know, prove that there was a third one. You know, the, the one-armed man was actually there. Whatever it is. And you drive it? Yeah. Like, you put your fingerprints on it? Like, yep. why would you do that? That's right. So, so dumb. So dumb. Every time, he, every time he gets the opportunity to speed and break a traffic law he does and i'm like you're on parole what are you doing drive slow (laughs) and what makes it worse probably (laughs) does make this worse is they generally thought they knew where the race was going to be they they say that in the beginning we're pretty sure the the word on the street is it's going to be in california cool 
the person who owns the Shelby has the resources and the car and his friend flies airplanes. Yes. So (laughs) (laughs) she she could have met them (laughs) in California. If he wanted to break the law that badly, he could have met them in California with the car and he could have just, because he's already breaking the law. He's on parole. You cannot leave the state. And they say that right off the bat. So dumb. But then he couldn't have done his master plan of breaking the law in front of the police in that absolutely hilarious sequence of just revving the engine outside of Remy Malik's yeah. like business there and intentionally just pissing the cop off of, you think I can afford this vehicle? Of course it's not mine. Did you see how fast I was going? Like 160 miles an hour. And then just rolls the window back yeah. up and drives away because he's got to get Michael Keaton's attention. He needs Batman to vote him into yeah. the race. And again, so that's another scene. That that's another scene that makes me sick. disappointed that the Shelby wasn't in the final race because two things. Yeah. One, they talk about like, oh, this is going to be the first American car to, to ever win the the Daily Own. Then when they pull up to his work, the point of them is to show, hey, watch the vehicle when it takes off. There's a weakness. We need to fix this. So you're thinking this is great on the on this journey. They're figuring out a way to make this car better, better. for the race, only to be completely annihilated and race the the red car. And it's like, oh man, that was so disappointing. The no. British guy bought that car for 2.7 mil, and during the trip to the racing event, they totaled the crap out of this vehicle. Yeah. And the the girl who he put in charge, because remember. He wouldn't leave the car in the hands of an ex-con. The girl who's in charge of it helps assist it getting shot, yeah. run off the road, doing jumps, like just things that would ruin a vehicle. She's there for it all. And in fact, every illegal thing he does, I'm pretty sure they pan to her and she's just like, oh my God, he's so hot. Like just every <laughs> single time yeah. he did something more illegal, she was just like, oh my God, I like a bad boy. Like, that's just the look on her face is so ridiculous yeah. every time he does something illegal. Like, he's revving the engine and she's looking at me like, oh my God, those are cops. Oh my God. <laughs> like, it's so. <laughs> now, in all fairness, one smart God. thing they did that I really what? liked the friend of his, Maverick, that's out in the sky in the airplane and the helicopter later, giving them some idea yeah. as to what's going on traffic wise, letting him know, you know, to do a hard right here, break here. It's always bothered yeah. me in these racing films when you have almost like a sixth sense for the driver that they can kind of anticipate everything going on around them. The idea that during a street race, yeah. especially the smaller street race at the beginning, that you've got this eye in the sky, essentially, who's trying to keep them Warner. as safe as possible. And then setting up later on that he'll be helping them out throughout it. It's all just a big excuse to have him save them in the Apache helicopter and yank their car sure. out into the air. But it's a but cool idea. But you would idea. think the Daily Own, you would think the Daily Own would also you have the a system in place. One. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Like especially when it, he gets to the corner and there's a school bus, <laughs> and it's like, well, perfect. You can't have these guys doing 230 miles an hour down the road with school on a school bus zone. No, on residential. You need an eye in like, the sky. <laughs> you don't get that rich by paying for those flight helps. So the five he grand can't race afford it. can afford a plane in the air. <laughs> a five grand race, exactly. These were cars. They were like two million a car. There were like seven of them or something like that. The good, like thing, good thing you win those cars at the end of that race, eh? <laughs> well, yeah, so whatever was left. How does that work? Talk. So how does that work? We got to talk. We got to talk. Is it an IOU? Is it an IOU? Because they're all gone. They're all vanquished. 
So the Michael Keaton in the room, because that is the elephant in the room, is the because it is apparently the whole trigger for the De Leon thing. And again, I enjoyed Michael Keaton in it. He's just chewing scenery yeah, on great. purpose. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. He's great. However, I got a lot of questions. <laughs> a, <laughs> why does he have that level of influence? B, at first I thought this was a legitimate race, like a legitimate race. But yeah. then – you find out it's an illegal race. Yes. And so now I'm trying to figure out why all of these legitimate business owners are, A, risking money. Risking. Like one guy pays Dominic Cooper $5 million to go into an illegal race. And he doesn't really want to in the beginning of it. It's like, I'm not really sure I want to invest that with you. Okay, you know what? You need to go win this race. If this race has any history, clearly the cops know about it because they were on it from basically go. Like they took the first corner and the friggin' police chopper was right above them. Like <laughs> it's because and they they're broadcasting the an race. illegal race. They're broadcasting it on it's the, the dark web. Nowhere. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's like the <laughs> racing equivalent of the Kumite. <laughs> The dark web on an iPad in a jail cell. (laughs) So two things. One, you're in jail and they give you an iPad. Two, I just – I laughed out loud when she's in the hospital. She's like, oh, can I just get an iPad? I'm like, hospitals don't just give patients iPads. What are you doing? That's where American taxes go. Bring me my iPad. They can afford it. It's fine. (laughs) Stop bring me my iPad. It's bring me an iPad. And to your point about the race. (laughs) So the race is winner take all. But there's not a car left standing but one. No. Why would you join this race ever? That's what I'm saying. Is there an IOU? (laughs) Is it, here, here's your cars. It's going to cost you 10 times as much to fix them back to what they were than what they're worth. The car is a write-off. Oh, by the way, the guy is probably dead who was driving it because he was doing 200 miles an hour when a cop car (laughs) went flying through the air in the opposite direction into his windshield. So he's dead. Yeah. Why, why do people do this The race? two of you often it's say, excellent. so the movie could happen. This is so the race could happen. Yeah. This you is so the movie could happen. I actually right. giggled. I giggled when the when the police got you to the point right. where they were like, you know, use lethal force if necessary. I'm like, there's children on the yeah. street in a school bus and you want to use lethal force <laughs> on a bullet that's going 230 miles an hour and eliminate the one thing controlling it. That's brilliant. But guys. how <laughs> awesome is that one cop's plan where you've got, what was it, three the, or four of the races the left. And he decides, oh. I'm going to take my oh, nightstick, just- <laughs> shove it down on the gas pedal. And as these guys yeah. come racing down the street, my car, which is just off the side of the road, I'm going to kick it into drive, step out of the vehicle so I'm not even in it, and just launch my police car out like a projectile to yes. probably kill one of the suspects. Yes. How do you yes, explain that in your paperwork? Yeah. Visually, yeah. it looked cool, but he must be a mathematician too because the timing <laughs> he needed to connect that. The helicopter guy shit. counts it down for him. He's like, five, four, three. This is clearly something they've done before. Yeah, no, but that's actually thing. even better. I'm more, I'm more impressed by the helicopter guy eyeballing and counting that. Like he's following in the air doing God knows how fast to keep up with cars going God knows how fast as they go around <laughs> corners and turns because the street isn't perfectly straight all the time. And he's counting that. That's that right. That guy is like the Stephen Hawking <laughs> of helicopters. I told you. <laughs> he's amazing. Yeah. For us, craziest car stunt we've ever seen with the police. For them, standard procedure on a Monday. Like that's what that to is. Them, it's yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> just it's just nonsense. Tuesday. 
Now, one thing that anyway, stood out to me with the film. Ridiculous. Yeah. I only knew really about Aaron Paul being in it. So when I yes. find out that mm, one, yeah. Michael Keaton is there as the right off the bat, the money man behind this big race that's happening. And he's the first thing you hear is him narrating. I was like, that's Michael Keaton. That's Batman. What's he doing in this film? Yeah. And you're right. They put him in one room, but he chews enough scenery in this film that he makes it across the finish line before that. Yeah. He's outstanding oh, yeah. in it. Oh, yeah. I love him. He was probably filmed him. in his study. He's like, yeah, I'll do it, but not a, I'm not leaving my house. When he's talking about the fact that Aaron Paul and Dominic Cooper are going to be racing at the end and this rival between them, he's like, this is the greatest race I've ever hosted. This is my David. This is my soup can. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> He's throwing in an Andy Warhol reference. This is just too much for I me. I love when the guy's ye- yelling at him at the beginning of the movie, and he's just like, oh. shut up. Oh. <laughs> in true Michael Keaton race. form. He's like, some people just need to <laughs> beat their kids. The car. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> That's oh, it. my God. Yes. Yeah, this is a case yes. where they need to be beaten. <laughs> but you've got him there. Oh, my God. Dominic Cooper, so who good. I always enjoy, and he's, yes. he's a thoroughly entertaining villain in this. Just, he has... Yeah. That smug, punchable face throughout this when Aaron Paul gets out of jail and confronts him and says, you let Pete die. He goes, what are you talking about? I was never there. And then smiles at him. Goes, but I was there to comfort his sister. Like, oh, my God, you're such a prick. And she's 20 feet away. How does she not hear him (laughs) say that when everyone (laughs) in the room is watching Aaron Paul and Dominic Cooper confront each other? How does she not go, what do you mean you weren't there, but you were there to comfort me and you were smiling? Why? Why are you acting like that? Is there something I should know? Oh, my God. The thing I didn't get with his sister was... Obviously, at the beginning, he would have been telling his story that there was a third vehicle, yada, yada, yada. What's his face was there. Yeah. You think that would have been enough for her to be like, well, let me look at the files and and see if the car was actually there. Why does it take him getting out of jail two years later to still pursue it for her to be like, oh, he's still going after it? He must be telling the truth. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a lot of there's a lot there that like you got to remember, like those weren't his cars. Like he goes to that house. And he's like, these are my uncle's cars. They're not yeah. legal. So they're not in the city. That's cool. However, you just owed your uncle however many millions for the two cars you just wrote out. One got wrote, one got written off. One you hide. One's impounded by the police. You owe your uncle money for that. But two, I love that the movie realizes is it's ridiculous and has to tell the audience, why didn't he destroy this? Why is he holding on to evidence in his yes. name, in his own, like he owns that storage place. Like he couldn't store it anywhere else. And it's yeah. three clicks, three clicks on his computer. You can find it. I had a different take on that. <laughs> she goes, click, click, click. So <laughs> when Aaron Paul's friend asks, why did he keep it? And he goes, you know, some people think they can't be touched. To me, it was, that's a trophy. He's proud of how he won that race. That sick son of a bitch sure. isn't just lacking remorse about Pete's death, he's reveling in it because he feels like I got away with it. It's a trophy. And that's kind of sickening. And that's why to me, when Aaron Paul shows up at that last race in that, the look on Dominic Cooper's face when he realizes that's the car that's there and he just starts sinking into his car, doesn't want to roll down the window. (laughs) Yeah. There's some fantastic acting scene. What's sickening is you gave that scene more thought than the writers did. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because it still makes no sense. It's it's a poor I don't it's not even about him keeping it. It's about where he keeps it. It's at a warehouse in his name. Okay. I get that it's a trophy, but like 
He makes zero effort at subterfuge. Zero. He had a hidden behind and a wall of cars. He keeps, he keeps a record of that saved in a file with photos of the damage. <laughs> pause the, the computer. Scene of the, pause the computer. Maybe the folder's called trophies. <laughs> uh, the the folder's called back. evidence of my murders. That's what it's called. <laughs> yeah. Evidence of my the, murders. Right. My first not murder. Open. I said don't open <laughs> evidence. Don't open. Please do not open. There is no password on this file. Please do not open. It's three clicks on my computer. Really easy to find, actually. Now, outside of that, the only other moment that made no sense to me, but I thoroughly, thoroughly loved, is Remy Malik quitting his job at the accounting <laughs> office that he's at. <laughs> when he finds yes. out that they brought the Shelby, and he's like, yo, bitch, you got to come down here and help us. Don't be a little bitch. When he first takes off his tie, I'm like, okay, he's quitting. And then he takes off his shoes, and I'm wondering what the hell's going on. And he just keeps taking off yeah. clothes until he has nothing but his socks. Nothing but his <laughs> socks. And when his own friend waiting at the bottom goes, why'd you do that? He goes, I got to make sure I can't come back here. <laughs> that is the weirdest motivation to strip naked at a place. I, I, it doesn't make any sense, but it's hilarious. Yeah. But what's funny about it and why it's so funny to me, why I laughed out loud is because the writers are aware of how ridiculous it is because they put a line in the movie that says, I'm sure you could have thought of anything else yeah. <laughs> than that. Like, had he stripped to his underwear? That's enough. You don't have to you be almost naked. Think that's, you almost think that's one of those scenes where they, they've had that scene waiting for a movie and they're like, oh, we finally got a movie. Let's <laughs> let's throw this scene in where a guy oh, yeah. gets his job uh, and strips naked. That we don't was, know here's how my excuse, or why, right? but yeah, that's my here's my excuse to finally well, put again, that scene in the movie. And so again, the <laughs> criminal geniuses that these guys are, you decide to strip naked, which draw the attention of absolutely everyone to you, so that you can get into the the chase car that technically speaking the police aren't aware of except now they're they should be aware of it because the naked guy got into that vehicle like he could have just <laughs> walked out of the job it just had yeah. no purpose no motivation and i do i did have a good chuckle too at the the pilot and again i know why i know the payoff is so that he can drive the military vehicle but i don't know what leverage what blackmail what power he has over these people but that guy's on the job when he steals his news anchors, uh, sorry, his uh, his traffic copter. Yep. He's on the job. They're cut to him. And he's like, no, I'll lend you my, v my I'll lend you my work helicopter, even though I'm about to go on air and not even get in the, the copper, the chopper with you. Bum, nope. bum, bum, bum. And then somehow he makes bum, 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 bum. It looks great out here. <laughs> Just filming the rear of the joggers going by instead of the weather. Oh, phenomenal. Bum, bum, bum. And then I don't know how he got onto a military base. I don't know how he got clearance to lift off on a lift because they give him clearance. They're like, you're outside of your flight path. I don't know how any of that happens. And I guess you don't need to know, but it's weird. It's just a little weird. But by that point in the I movie, the rules you're like, I whatever. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters yeah. by that point. It, as long as they get the race. The movie is fun in the moment that it exists. And it is one of those ones where if you start to analyze the plot, it'll fall apart pretty quickly because most of the melodrama is unnecessary. But it is fun to watch. It has so much yeah, energy it to it. It is fun. And, and that's exactly it. Is it is fun. We kind of pooped on it. Well, I pooped on it. Well, that's, but it's fun. That's what I was going to say. Well, even us. We kind of... 
we kind of dug a little into it, but regardless of what we're saying, it's actually it's high octane. It's, actually it's fun. got it's full of energy yeah. and it's fun. You just have to throw those rules out. Don't go for the yeah. story. Press yeah. press start and away you go. Right? Yeah, it's again. It felt like a game. I compared it to a, it's a diet Fast and Furious. I don't think about the Fast and Furious movies either. <laughs> I don't I don't think about them cuz you can't. No. You can't. But this makes they me want a new sense. Cannonball or a new Speed Zone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll call it on this one. Seems like we all relatively enjoyed it, you know, minus a few nitpicks here or and there. But I, I think me and Nick more than Mark. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I was getting bothered by stuff. We didn't even get into the, all the legal things. Like, oh, he, you God, know, no. commit mass murder at the end and uh, gets 120 That's days. A <laughs> yeah. 178 That's a separate days video. 178 days for so much mass destruction, illegal street racing, endangering yeah, children. People die. People die. Yeah, people die and catch fire, but it, yeah. 178 well, yeah. days. And his friend that stole a six military months. helicopter, about the same. <laughs> six months because he started a fitness program and got good behavior. Sure. Like, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's fun. Uh, they stopped caring, so you need to, too. Yeah, but essentially. But we'll call it on this one. When we come back, we will be looking at one of the more famous uh, video game to film adaptations. Because at least commercially, if nothing else, commercially, it is wildly successful. It spawned, what, like seven sequels? Resident Evil had so many films after the first one. So we're going to watch the first one and see if it deserved all of those sequels. Again, we thank you for joining us at Press X to Reload. I have been Nick Moore. With me were Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanas. Gentlemen. Thanks for having us as always. Yeah, we felt the need for speed on this one. Thanks. And we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Press X to Reload. Today's episode featured the voices of Mark Athenas, Wayne Brissett, and Nick Moore. Our theme music was composed by Jack Fierick and performed and realized by Sam Fierick. If you like what you've heard today, subscribe and never miss an episode. Or tell a friend, leave a review, we'll take all the bonus XP we can get. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can contact Nick Moore via his email, retrogamingfool at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next stage.